The scripture lesson today is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Vicki. You may be seated. <clears throat> Grace and peace to all of you this morning in the name of Jesus. A presenter at a retreat center I was staying at told the story of hiking in the mountains with his brother. It was one of those hikes where you are hidden in the trees the whole way. And so after several hours of hiking, the forest became monotonous and their minds became engrossed in the conversation they were having rather than the landscape around them. The trail took a turn and suddenly the trees cleared and they found themselves overlooking an astounding view. Mountains beyond mountains beyond mountains a glacier coursing down the one right in front of them, and vivid blue ponds surrounded by dark pine trees. It was so surprising, so astonishing, that the presenter, a religious man, instinctively opened his arms in prayer and praise. His brother, less religious, let out a long string of profanities. The beauty before them had caught them both off guard. It jolted them. And the jolt wasn't intellectual, like, I understand what I'm seeing is attractive. It was bodily, a gut thing. Their minds simply couldn't hold what was before them, the beauty reached down into their body and soul and heart. We're asking you to behold God in beauty this week, and so you should know that this is the nature of beauty. It behaves a little different than, say, prettiness. When we see something pretty, maybe our day brightens a little bit, but we pretty much go on as planned. We assimilate the prettiness into us and feel a little better. But beauty, on the other hand, possesses a force of its own. It is wild. We can't assimilate it into ourselves. It is stronger than us. It knocks us down, hits us right in the gut. 
when we are in the presence of something truly beautiful, we can't just resume business as usual, can't schedule it into our pre-existing plans. Instead, beauty takes us a little bit off the course we were walking. It makes us ask why we think our plans and schemes are so important. It prompts us to wonder if we're piddling our lives away on inconsequential minutiae when this thing stands before us. It makes us question what it means to exist, to be alive. It's almost like we don't see beauty so much as we are seen by beauty. Beauty sees us and it tells us something about ourselves. True beauty says, you are part of this world. And this world is so big, it's so much bigger than you, but you're still a part of it. And you are loved. Prettiness, that's the flowers I plant in my boulevard. They make me smile when I pass. Beauty is the bees going methodically flower to flower, different species, each one with their own tongue, perfectly fit for the blossom. And me just standing there feeling small and fragile suddenly because I'm realizing that a lot of my diet and therefore my life depends on this process which lies fully outside of my control. And suddenly I feel so grateful to be alive and part of this world and sustained by and connected to these bees who don't know me or care about me. It's almost like hearing a voice from heaven calling me beloved. And then I'm late for work. That's beauty. That's what scripture gives us today. We often get stories about Jesus' action, his teaching. But today, we get this rare glimpse of what Jesus sees internally, of how something moves his spirit and soul. Just as he came up from the water, Matthew tells us, suddenly the heavens were opened before him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So it's unrestrained, heavenly beauty with all of its course-changing power surrounding Jesus. And Jesus, the text tells us, sees it. He just showed up to see his cousin in the wilderness, of course, but he has stumbled into so much more. And his life will never be the same. 
you have to wonder how this moment, this experience of beauty impacted him. Because you, all of you know this, these moments of beauty stay with you, don't they? Their power doesn't end when the moment passes. I'm guessing now, even if you were to shut your eyes, you could pretty easily conjure up these moments of beauty in your life and feel like you are living them again for the first time. Feel the dock under your back as you lie looking at the stars. Smell the newborn scent of the one you've just given birth to. Or hear the concert that reduced you to tears. And it's not just a mind game we play in our, in our heads. If you center yourself for a spell in beauty you've experienced, it actually has a physiological effect on us. Your parasympathetic nervous system kicks in. That's the one that combats your fight, flight, or freeze response. Your heart rate slows. Your breath evens. Your muscles relax. Is that not a blessing? Beauty is so powerful that it refuses to stay constrained in the past. It reaches to us even now to soothe us and comfort us and give us hope. And so you have to wonder, as Jesus goes about his ministry, if this moment of beauty and belovedness held him, if he returned to it after a long day of his disciples not getting it or realizing there were simply too many people for him to heal or weathering the shock of a friend's betrayal or perhaps even on his cross, did this encounter with beauty in the Jordan River bless him and keep him through the hard times? Did he sense that it was realer than the ugliness the world gave him daily? Was he still able to hear the voice calling him beloved? And did it energize him and urge him on? If it did, it seems like such a small thing to be so powerful. It's regular water. It's a common bird. Verses later, Jesus sees the whole world from a vantage point. But the text tells us that is the devil who brings him up there. Jesus finds God's beauty revealed to him in this ordinary river in the company of ordinary people. And it only takes two verses in the story, but it's a life-changing event for Jesus. And this speaks to how God acts and how God is revealed in our world. Our God is able to take something small and ordinary and saturate it with a beauty that is powerful that continues to bless us and console us beyond its time. Beauty isn't just in the mountain vistas or in ocean shoreline or anything we'd pay airfare to see. 
It's baked into this whole world if we have the eyes to see it. The writer Annie Dillard spent a year walking through the woods of Virginia. She gazed at newts in the pond and the eggs of praying mantises and other unremarkable things that would never, ever make it into a travel advertisement. And yet, what she found by paying attention moved her soul so deeply that when she recorded all of her noticings in her book, it won the Pulitzer Prize. In that book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, which you really should read, she writes this, beauty and grace are performed whether or not we will sense them. The least we can do is try to be there. And most of the time, I think we'd admit we aren't there. <laughs> we might not even try because beauty is inconvenient. It intrudes into what we've got going on and we've got schedules, stuff to do. We don't need to be thrown off track by beauty that makes us reconsider our priorities. And so most of the times I think we go about our lives with our heads down, shielding ourselves from God, wooing us into other ventures with the beauty God is giving this whole creation. We're like those people from that experiment a couple years ago, that one where the famous violinist Joshua Bell played his violin in a baseball cap in a DC metro station. 1,100 people walked by him. Seven stopped to hear the music. Well, God is out there playing the violin giving us Pulitzer-worthy material every single day. And since we only get one life, we might as well stop, pay attention, and be moved by the beauty that God gifts to us. Because what is in beauty, what beauty is, is one way God communicates God's own heart to us. And when we are caught by beauty, and yes, you always are caught, by the way. You can never force it or create it. It is grace. It comes from outside. It finds us. And when it finds us, when it hits us in the gut and makes us late for work, it's because we sense God is in there somewhere. And if we're lucky, we might even hear God's voice calling us beloved. For the next seven weeks, we are asking you to pay attention to where God is appearing in different areas of your life. And then right then and there to snap a photo or write a couple sentences and email it to behold at mopley.org. Or always, if tech isn't your thing, you can fill out a slip on the Welcome Center counter. This first week, we are asking you to keep your eyes open and watch for God appearing in beauty, not prettiness, 
but beauty that communicates God's own heart. May this beauty find you in ordinary places, and may you have the grace to not pass it by. Amen.